family. And we thank you for how you, throughout uh, the centuries, have kept your church, um, that you filled your church with your spirit, and that you strengthened your church uh, to fight on many fronts and uh, many enemies of the faith, uh, many false teachers that you've kept and you've preserved your church through your gifts to it. So as we study those gifts of the Spirit today, uh, help us be mindful of how we uh, benefited from all those faithful servants who've gone before us and their, uh, their testimony and their Spirit-filled lives and help us to emulate them, just as we learned last week, to emulate our Savior, Jesus Christ, by cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. So give us insight um, into uh, the Holy Spirit, into yourself as we study this day, and uh, how that Spirit works in our lives as individual believers, but even more so as the united body of Christ. Uh, fill us with your spirit uh, through Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so for the last several weeks, we've been studying the role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. So how the Spirit unites us to Christ and applies to us the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, in justification, God removes the eternal penalty of our sin and declares us righteous. In adoption, God makes us children and heirs. In sanctification, God makes us holy, growing us to be the saints he's chosen us to be. Um, and we saw how the Holy Spirit um, is the, the one who's particularly charged of the Trinity to sanctify us, to free us from the dominion of sin, to remove corruption, and to conform us to the image of Christ. Holiness externally demonstrates the changes that God has wrought internally in us, by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So last week, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against the selfish and self-serving desires of the flesh, holiness is about our new internal character that manifests itself in a particular way of life. We're not given laws of the Spirit or rules of the Spirit. A fruit is not something that's made or done. Fruit is something that's produced in us. It's not of ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit comes from our life-giving connection to the true vine, Jesus Christ. New dispositions that emulate his humble life of service for us. Our responsibility is to cherish and cultivate these graces, to resist and reject everything which opposes or hinders them. Fruit is neither our invention nor our product. Nevertheless, it requires our diligence, as 2 Peter 1.5 indicates. These are the virtues our Lord wants us to cultivate. These are the virtues that are, the, at the same time, the gifts of God. Um, today, uh, we'll turn um, from a discussion of the sanctifying work of the Spirit to talk about other gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. Unlike regenerative uh, graces that the Spirit works in us, or unlike the fruit of the Spirit, spiritual gifts are not given uniformly to all believers, but are variously distributed in different degrees to the diverse members of Christ's body, fitting us for particular service to the whole church. Perhaps because of this uh, variation and their distribution, spiritual gifts have caused difficulties in Christian churches, both in the New Testament um, as well as in our current day. Um, the longest New Testament passage regarding spiritual gifts is Paul's response to dissension within the Corinthian church. Um, so we'll start our discussion of spiritual gifts there. Um, today we'll be focused on um, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, so if you want to turn with me. Uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The discussion um, in 1 Corinthians actually goes from chapters 12 through 14, so it's quite an extended um, discussion, um, particularly of the role of tongues um, that we'll focus on more uh, next week. Uh, but this week, um, to, to talk about spiritual gifts as a whole and uh, to focus on how Paul talks about them in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12. So uh, let me read the passage uh, for us and can follow along in your Bibles. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is a Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, would, that, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, and uh, may he bless our discussion of it this morning. So uh, let's just start with, um, Paul uses two words um, here um, to discuss um, spiritual gifts, uh, a word uh, that we're familiar with, probably charismata, um, but he also uses this word pneumaticon, um, both expressing um, gifts of the Spirit. Pneumaticon is, is literally uh, um, Spirit who gives gifts, and, and charismata are, is gifts of grace, charis there. Um, so what are spiritual gifts? Um, what are the purpose um, of these gifts? What's the purpose of the Spirit giving these particular gifts to believers? 
So let's just start there. Um, you know, what, what are these uh, things? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any rewards. Sorry, Jay. Yeah, and that word, um, and that it's actually the first word he uses for spiritual gifts there in verse one, uh, the pneumaticon. It emphasizes it's it's the spirit that's giving the gifts. He's putting the foremost emphasis on the spirit and a secondary emphasis on, on the gifts. Um, the, but the primary uh, emphasis in the passage is on the spirit who gives these gifts. And that spirit is one. And though there might be lots of different gifts, they all have one single source. Um, one single source coming out of, of God. And I love um, in that, how there's this, um, yeah, uh, reference to the Trinity um, here. Um, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, you know, which is usually used to designate Christ. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God. So it's almost, you know, emphasizing that we, you know, we should, we, we confess a diversity of persons in a one Godhead, you know, three persons, one God. That's how we started the course off. And out of that one God, uh, uh, through this one spirit, we're given a diversity of gifts. Um, so, you know, should that surprise us? Um, it's almost the, the emphasis that Paul's giving, you know, that God himself is diverse. So should we be surprised that this one God uh, who has a diversity of persons within that one Godhead, would give the one body of Christ a diversity of gifts. Yeah, Mark. Okay. Um, so, so, so I think to, to start, um, you know, first of all, to, to emphasize that the list that he give, gives us here isn't exhaustive. So, I mean, that's, so that's the first thing. He lists um, nine things in the first part of the chapter. And notice how in the, in the chapter ends, he gives us a different list, you know, with things in the second list at the end of the chapter. You know, something like administrating, helping, that doesn't show up in his first list of gifts. So none of these lists of gifts are exhaustive. And we could go to, um, Paul has four different lists. There are other lists um, in, in Peter. Um, so, um, so as we think of, of the gifts that, that God gives to the church, um, the list here is, isn't exhaustive um, and can include things that maybe we wouldn't normally think are, yeah, are necessarily associated with the spirit. Um, the second thing is uh, um, he, how he frames um, the gifts uh, in, in light. We, we often, and you know, we kind of jumped right to verse four. Um, verses one through three are important because it sets the context. The real gift of the spirit um, that we all possess in an equal degree is the gift of faith, that no one can have this confession and People point to this is the first confessional, uh, first confession, the first creed of the church. Um, this is the statement that sets them apart from Jews and Gentiles alike, because a Jew will never say Jesus is Lord, and neither would a Gentile. 
So to be able to say Jesus is Lord, that's the fundamental um, gift that we all as believers have from the Spirit. Um, and so everything comes, uh, everything else comes out of that context of us all being um, members of one body, um, empowered by this one Spirit. So, um, so then as we look at the gifts, um, it's how the Spirit both gives what we would call extraordinary abilities, um, you know, things like healing is, is an extraordinary thing. Doing miracles, by definition, <laughs> is not ordinary. Um, so there, there's extraordinary things, but then there are those things we might consider ordinary, you know, administration, um, you know, uh, the ability to um, come alongside and help people. Um, you know, things that we might see as, well, you know, um, I, I'm, I really don't, you know, have, I'm not very gifted, I can't stand up and teach, you know, all I can do, you know, I'm kind of an accountant type personality, um, and therefore I don't matter. And that's what Paul's getting at in this chapter is, you know, um, not to despise any gifts, whether we see them as natural or we see the supernatural element of them, but they're, they're the way that um, because of our new life in Christ, because we're, again, we all have this confession, Jesus is Lord, that's not a natural confession to us. That's what's supernatural, that we can say that and mean it and believe it. That is not a confession that comes from ourselves. That's, you know, the gift of the Spirit to us. And that gift of the Spirit affects everything and everything else we do um, and shape. So even the things that we might see as, well, you know, um, uh, that's not very extraordinary. Um, because it's in the context of the Spirit-filled life, it is. Because the Spirit is going to use that for the good of the church. Um, the Spirit is going to use that gift that, you know, one person possesses that another person doesn't for the good of the whole. Um, and so part of the emphasis that Paul is placing on it is we should never despise any gift, whether we just see it as, well, you know, that's just the way I've always been, um, to not despise, because this, you know, God made you. And even though you might have possessed this trait um, prior to receiving the Spirit, once you receive the Spirit, once you receive this confession, Jesus is Lord, that shapes everything you do, um, even those things that you might perceive as natural. Does that? Yeah, I mean, we, we could say the same about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, I actually had that question. Like, I mean, we know people who are non-Christians who are kind. Um, it, but it's, you know, it's the how that is, is used by the Spirit, produced in the Spirit, not for our own good, as we talked about. We talked a lot about, you know, the flesh serves the flesh, <laughs> serves the self, um, the Spirit serves others the spirit serves the body and these gifts um, are are not given for the individual's um, self-esteem or worth the gifts are given for the good of the body as a whole and if they're being used for a selfish purpose then that's bad <laughs> or if we're despising the lack of certain gifts that someone else might have that's bad um, so he's giving this for the encouragement. Right. Or, yeah, if we, we don't think we have any. <laughs> but she, right. Uh, you know, um, and yeah, that, yeah, I could do that, but yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> it's like at, 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 uh, at work right now, um, 
they're, we're having trouble filling a couple of faculty committees and they're the ones like the big high responsibility committees. And, you know, I, I've been on two of them before. And so like, they're asking you, would you serve again? I'm like, <laughs> I could, <laughs> but I'm not now. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, um, so, uh, but as we think about the, the context of, the, you know, of this, this chapter, um, part of the problem Paul's addressing, and it, when he starts, you know, this now concerning, um, in 1 Corinthians, that's kind of um, code words for they've addressed a series of questions or issues to him, and he's replying. So something's come up about spiritual gifts, and he's replying, and, and based on what's being, you know, said in 12, 13, and 14, it seems that the context is that certain people who've experienced some of these more extraordinary gifts are using it to elevate themselves as, an, as a form of spiritual elite. Um, that they're putting down other members of the body who don't have these gifts and they're elevating themselves as we're really spiritual Christians because we do possess these things. And Paul is writing to do away with that sense because again the purpose of the gifts isn't to elevate the individual the purpose of the gifts is to build unity within the body of believers Yeah, if we, speaking in tongues without having the fruit of the Spirit is, is worthless. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, as he says, it's empty noise. <laughs> it's just, you know, um, if, if tongue speaking is going on and it's not for the purpose of edifying the body of Christ, then it's just noise. Um, and, and, the, and again, you know, all these gifts, I, um, I, I, mean, I think I wrote it down, Gordon Fee, um, I, I loved what he, he said about um, this. Um, let's see, where did I put it? The presence of the Spirit and power and gifts make it easy for God's people to think of the power and gifts as the real evidence of the Spirit's presence. Not so for Paul. The ultimate criterion of the Spirit's activity is the exaltation of Jesus as Lord. So our tendency is to look at these things and say that's what oh, the Spirit must be present there because there's miracles or there's tongues or there's prophecy. And, and you know, Fee, I think, accurately is reflecting Paul, is saying, no, <laughs> the real sign of the Spirit's presence is the confession that Jesus is, is Lord and that builds the body of Christ in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, that's the real sign of the Spirit's presence, not these, these, these gifts, which, you know, again, can be extraordinary, um, but it's not the extraordinary signs that demonstrate the Spirit's pre presence. It's the confession of who Christ is. And, you know, remember we talked about in Jesus' teaching on the sending of the Spirit. The Spirit's ministry isn't coming um, as, as some kind of independent entity, entity. The Spirit is coming as that spotlight to point the people to Jesus Christ and to his full and finished work of salvation for them, you know. So nobody can, can confess that Jesus is Lord without that work of the Spirit in their lives. And that these gifts are given to promote that work. You know, they're tools that God and the Spirit gives as God wills um, to promote that central focus, that central role of the Spirit, which is to point people to Jesus Christ. Good. What else would you say about um, the, the purpose um, or the role of any of these gifts? Yeah, as we work through the list and sort of, um, and, and we could break them down into, um, into sort of 
categories. So, you know, you have some gifts in this first list um, that are what we might call pedagogical gifts, you know, wisdom, knowledge, instructing people. And then we have um, these supernatural gifts um, and faith, healings, um, performing miracles. So, and, and we see this, you know, throughout the book of Acts, you know, these kinds of extraordinary works of the apostles, um, where even somebody walking into Peter's shadow <laughs> is healed. Um, you know, the kind of same kind of visible signs, visible authentications that we saw with the ministry of Christ, um, the way that, you know, he healed people, um, people who, who came um, broken physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, he, he touched them, he healed them, he dealt with them where they were. Um, so the, the way that, um, that the same spirit that empowered Christ to perform those kinds of works is the same spirit that Paul's talking about here. Yeah, Kathy. Yeah, the, the benefit, again, isn't for, um, you know, individuals. The benefit, the emphasis is on um, the good for the body as a whole. Um, uh, you know, the same God empowers them all. Um, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Um, you know, and, and that's the point. Um, the, the point is... To, to build the body up in their, their unity, in their union with Christ, you know. Um, and we, we talked, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the spirit is the bond of our union with Christ, but it's also the spirit because it unites us to the Christ that unites us to one another um, and that we're members of one body. We're different, we're various, and you, you know, and I love how the language here is variety, 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 <laughs> same, 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 you know, you know, different, 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 one, one, one. <laughs> D diversity, unity, um, and, and that's the description, um, that's the conception of the church, you know. We're, in one sense, we're, we're very different male and female, Jew and Greek, um, slave and free, but we're all one in Christ. Um, and so it's the way that Paul is recognizing us both as uh, individuals, but also as members of, of one common body. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, that they're, um, again, they're not, um, they're not, uh, uh, yeah, things to sh show off or, or ornaments. <laughs> um, I, I've just been teaching this material culture class, and we always, I always end the class with 1950s material culture, just because 1950s material culture is, is fabulous. <laughs> um, and there's uh, this book I, I use for it, it's called Populux. Um, and, and the author sort of, you know, uses, he made up this word because that's what people in the 1950s did. They made up words to describe their products. Um, but it, it was, it's about the style, you know, that you're adding fins on top of fins to cars that have nothing to do with aerodynamics or function of the car. It's all about appearance. <laughs> um, and, and as we think about uh, the gifts, it's not about the, the, um, the appearance of them, but exactly as you say, it's, it's for the service, it's for the activity, it's for the constructive building up the body. And so if we're using them to uh, elevate ourselves or to put other people down, um, then we are fundamentally violating what the gifts are and what they're for. Um, you know, they're for the, the um, building up the body um, and for um, strengthening 
the one body, through their you know, individuals performing the actions and services that God has gifted them with. Yeah, that Jesus is going to work in us. And again, I love the way that, um, you know, we often think of Paul as being this great theologian of the head. But Paul is so conscious that we're embodied beings, you know, that we, we're not just, you know, against the kind of Gnostic idea that elevates mind and spirit over flesh. Um, that's not Paul. Paul is conscious that we are our mind and flesh, spirit and flesh, united in, in one, you know, person, one body. And as we think about these spiritual gifts, um, and to use the analogy of a physical body, to, to think about the body of us as a church, as believers, and just how as a physical body, you know, you need all the parts, um, and even the parts that you know, as Paul, I, I love his kind of euphemism here, the parts you cover up, <laughs> you know, the, or the parts we, uh, you know, kind of think those are kind of disgraceful parts. Um, or, you know, uh, you know, the, you know the, the various functions um, that we need them. We need them all. Um, we, we don't know why we need an appendix, <laughs> but we probably need that too. <laughs> um, you know, but to, to think about, you know, all these, these things, and as we think about us um, living as a body, to be conscious of what every member of that body brings and how we need that. Um, and that's one of the, you know, ways, um, you know, as I discover more about myself as a person and all the kind of qualities and characteristics I lack, um, you know, all the things that I can't do, and then to meet someone and, and to be, not be jealous, but to be joyful um, that somebody can do that. <laughs> I cannot do that. <laughs> I am so glad that, that you know how to do that. Um, and so to be conscious, you know, as we think about gifts, it's being conscious of how we lack, you know, rather than using the gifts as a sense to build up a sense of superiority to acknowledge all the ways, you know, we're missing things, and therefore we need one another, um, because we need the gifts and abilities that I don't possess, um, you know, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna go into the catalog of, of what I lack, but it's a pretty lengthy catalog. But I can look around the room and sort of point to you know, Bill McCauley or, or Jay Wanick or, um, you know, Ronnie, you know, all the different ways that, you know, everybody in this room, um, I, you know, admire for what you bring to this body of believers. Um, and, you know, I don't have to, um, yeah, I don't have to, um, uh, you know, beat myself up because I'm, you know, I'm not like Jay. Um, you know, Jay is so much more energetic and enthusiastic than I think <laughs> I'll ever be. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, where does that come from? <laughs> I want to go take a nap. <laughs> he wants to go bounce on the trampoline. You know, where are these, you know, but, but I so appreciate that. And it's, you know, I, I can appreciate that. And, um, you know, and, you know, again, we could 
do the, the, the kind of group hug session and sort of talk about, you know, all the different traits that we have that, you know, that other people have that we don't. Um, and that's the point. Rather than sort of, you know, on the one hand, lament that ah, I wish I had this and that and that, um, or I wish I was more like Mike, or, you know, I wish I was more like Jerry, or I wish I was more like, um, you know, uh, Sarah, or, you know, uh, I wish I was more like Dana. Being married, you discover this, you know, Dana has so many qualities that I don't have. Um, and, you know, I discover and appreciate those things. But rather than trying to make us all be the same, you know, that we all have to have, you know, all these gifts in equal parts. You know, what Paul's putting here is how we, we recognize how the Spirit has given us gifts to unite us to one another, which requires us to acknowledge that we need one another, that you have things I don't have, and therefore I need to be in fellowship with you. And hopefully I have things that you need, and therefore you need to be in fellowship with me. And it's not to, you know, come up with spiritual rankings or have spiritual inferiority or superiority, but to build up the church in unity. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, and that we can, you know, again, it's, we can fall off in multiple ways, and all in selfish ways. I mean, again, that's, you know, we can be selfish if we have these gifts and we don't share them. We can be selfish in the sense that we don't have the gifts and we're jealous, or particular gifts, so we're jealous of someone else who does. Um, or we can be selfish in that we have a gift and we think we're, we're better than everyone else because we have this gift, you know. But all of those, you know, all those ways we go astray, yeah, all come back to the elevation of, 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 of me. <laughs> Whereas the, the context, the call, is to elevate Christ and to elevate the members of Christ's body by, um, by being humble you know, having, acknowledging our need, just as we acknowledge our need of Christ, so we acknowledge our need for one another. Um, you know, there are, uh, a Lone Ranger Christian is, uh, is unthinkable to Paul, you know, um, to, to sort of like, well, you know, I, I don't need church. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's crazy to Paul because none of us have what all of us need, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and we need each other, um, and none of us are going to be who Christ has called us to be without one another, um, that we only function um, as a, uh, a living body of Christ when we're connected to one another.
Um, I, I think the higher, so to answer the second question first, um, notice how in verse 28, um, when he gives the second listing of gifts, he kind of, he, he, he puts numbers to them, you know. And so I think that is his ranking of gifts and their importance. So first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Um, and I think um, thinking of it, this, that verse in light of 12 to 14, um, again, to, to, if, we, if we take the, the usual take on what the problem he's addressing is that tongue speaking in the church of Corinth is being held forward as though people who speak in tongues are the truly spiritual members of the body. And so in addressing that, you know, he starts by sort of saying, well, no gift is greater than all the other gifts, you know, that you, you know, we shouldn't despise other people because they don't have this gift. And we shouldn't elevate ourselves because we possess a gift that other people don't. So in that sense. Um, but then in the ranking, um, we can rank gifts in terms of their usefulness to the church. And so he, he's getting at, um, by ordering them this way, he's, he's demonstrating how they're elevating what in his enumeration, and again, none of these lists of gifts are complete. But you know, as Paul enumerates it, this is, this is not the most useful gift for the church. You know, it has its uses, and he, he describes those in chapter 14, and we'll talk about um, tongue speaking next week and sort of and look at what he says about um, that gift in, in chapter 13 and 14. But, you know, he, he's putting them in rank to sort of to, to, to demonstrate how backwards their approach is, and that using that gift to display, you know, as the sign for, for spiritual superiority is, is, you know, ridiculous because it's elevating what in Paul is a lesser gift for Paul. And why is it a lesser gift? Because, you know, tongue speaking in itself isn't sufficient because you always have to, for it to be a functional gift for the community, there has to be somebody who can interpret it. Um, so just someone speaking in tongues, Paul says, is of no benefit, you know, without interpretation, without someone to to, to, to basically translate <laughs> what the tongue, word and tongues is, then the body is not edified, the body's not built up. So it's, it's you know, it's almost um, in Paul's ranking, it, because it needs an additional gift, you know, that that's one of the lower ones. So, so better, rather than seek and elevate that gift, look for these other ones that are, you know, um, much more obviously build up in, in the body of believers and encourage the body of believers. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, and as we think about, you know, and we, we didn't, um, I mean, we could have worked through, you know, what specifically, what these different gifts mean. And as we think about, like, you know, one, people often have, you know, faith here. He, he doesn't mean the saving faith, you know, the faith that we all possess as believers, but he's talking about that kind of extraordinary faith, the faith that Jesus, you know, talks about. You know, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, you know, <laughs> go jump at the lake. Um, you know, that kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, miracle uh, supernatural kind of faith um, on top of saving faith. Um, and, and with prophecy, to think about prophecy, and this is something um, I tried to emphasize when we were going through Acts, um, you know, Peter on the day of Pentecost is a prophet. And what does he say? <laughs> Looks a lot like what we would call a sermon. <laughs> you know, it's, it's presenting the will of God. Prophecy um, is the public in the New Testament is the public disclosure of Christ's divine saving identity and his directives for his church. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's taking those truths of scripture and, and using them to, to speak to the world what the world needs, which is the world needs Christ.
Yeah, and it all, it, yeah, and to, to build one another up, to encourage, I'm glad you, you mentioned encourage. And that's what, because to, to, often, again, they're, they're kind of two spiritual problems that we have. We can either have a spiritual pride or we can have a, um, a spiritual sense of, of worthlessness, you know? Um, and, and we've all felt this, um, at least I've felt this, of how ugh, I'm just, I can't do that as well as that person. Or, you know, and, well, I'm not going to participate in that because I'm not going to be any, you know, I'm just going to be in the way. I'm gonna, you know, the, the way we make ourselves, um, the way we devalue ourselves um, and make ourselves seem useless. And, and Paul is trying to counter those, um, those spiritual flaws. <laughs> um, you know, spiritual pride is a problem, but so is, you know, the, the kind of depression, spiritual depression, as Martin Lloyd-Jones um, called it, and that we're to be encouraging one another um, to, you know, to exercise our gifts, to, to, that you are needed and useful to the body. Okay, so maybe you can't stand up and teach. I mean, 20 years ago, if you told me I was doing this, I would have told you, you're crazy. <laughs> I do not like standing up in people. It's my job, <laughs> but I do not like it. <laughs> I would not do it <laughs> um, uh, unless I was told to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I, you know, I, this is a performance. <laughs> um, you know, this is all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I, I would have made a great monk. <laughs> well, in some ways. Um, <laughs> but give me a quiet room and books. That would have been life for me. When I take students on the Freedom Trail, I often will tell them the story of um, uh, William Blackstone, who was Boston's first resident. So before there was a colony of Boston, Blackstone um, moved to uh, the Shawmut Peninsula by himself with 300 books. That is my ideal existence, no. Um, you know, uh, and you know, that's, I, that's the joke I always make, you know, if only, and then he invites this colony to settle along them and then he has to move because <laughs> it suddenly got noisy and crowded. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, but we have to encourage and you know, lots of people kind of put me in, you know, push me forward and like, no, you've got something to say, you know, you should, you know, it took a lot of encouraging to get me up here. <laughs> it took a lot of people like you, um, you know, people in, in every church I've, I've been in, um, you know, giving me opportunities, you know, um, encouraging me. Ugh, no, I can't, I can't do it, like, you know, um, uh, in, in grad school, like, uh, you know, uh, I was in Sunday school with three or four other PhD students, and they do New Testament, and like, I'm not going to stand up there and teach New Testament in front of Guy. <laughs> Guy Waters is now a professor at RTS, and like, why would I teach New Testament to Guy? <laughs> but, you know, but that's, you know, um, that's what I was being called to do and encouraged to do. Um, and that's what we should do, you know, encouraging one another when we see that they have, you know, oh, you're, you're really helpful in that. You know, you should do that for this or you could serve the church in this way and to encourage one another. Um, and, and that's the kind of, yeah, the, the practical application um, is to not think better of ourselves because we possess certain gifts that, you know, that we might rank higher than others but not to despise the gifts that we do have um, and to encourage and build up one another as one body of Christ um, with you know, all being different, to not want us to all be the same, but to recognize that our differences, our quirks, our, um, our different backgrounds, um, you know, our, you know, our different sexes, um, to sort of start with those kind of basic differences are valuable, um, are good, and we should um, value those things and exercise those things as the diverse parts of one body in Jesus Christ.
All right, um, so we'll close there. Um, next week we'll continue and, and we'll sort of talk about, um, yeah, spend some time talking about um, chapter 13 and 14 as we think about tongues and we'll continue on this vein of spiritual gifts. But let me close this in prayer. Gracious God, we do uh, praise you for your goodness to us that uh, you have not only given us the gift of your son um, to uh, take our sins upon himself um, and to give us his righteousness that we might have eternal life, but that you've given us the presence of the Spirit. Um, even as Christ said, it's better for you that I go so that the Comforter can come um, and be in you. And so we thank you for that Spirit and how that spirit uh, does give us gifts, um, that gifts that, uh, uh, that the spirit uses to build up the one body of Christ. And we thank you um, for how um, your church around the world um, brings things that other churches need. So we could think about this not just in terms of our own individual um, congregation, but to think of how uh, the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide is part of one body that needs one another. Um, and so uh, we pray that you would um, encourage us uh, in that, that you would help us to use the gifts that you've blessed us with, um, but also to help encourage others' use of their gifts um, for the strengthening of your one body. And we thank you for that common confession that we have, um, that we celebrate, and that we'll come in this hour to worship, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is uh, divine, uh, that he is wielding all authority, and yet even um, as, as the one God, uh, part of the one God, that he uh, gave himself to serve us. And so uh, your spirit's presence um, builds us in that image that we um, imitate uh, Christ in our service to one another. Uh, we thank you for these gifts um, that you've given us, not that you need them, um, that we exercise them um, to build you up, but that we exercise to build up one another uh, into one body of, in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.